morning bitches and welcome to wellness for real it's your girl marlena and this week cat aka the shedding cat is back on the show y'all she was one of our first guests if you haven't listened to that first episode go back and listen to that we talk all about sex it's amazing this time we brought cat back to talk all about her and her journey and just what she's been up to uh she is so incredible and just gives so much amazing Uh, perspective and information and motivation in this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure you go to the description of this episode and give back to Kat. She gives so much to us. uh, So give back to her. She is trying to crowdfund to get her skin removal surgery. So go check the link for that and buckle up because it's about to get real. We're so excited, you guys. Cat is back. The shedding cat. Uh, how you doing, girl? Good. I'm so happy to be here. It's been a while. Yeah, you were one of the first people I interviewed for this podcast. You were like one of the first people that like came on and like trusted me with your voice. And I just really appreciate that. So we're so happy to have you back because like, holy shit, so much has happened in the last year, which is wild. Um, and when you were on the first time, we really just talked about like sex, but this time we really want to talk about you. We want to hear your story and, uh, what you're up to. So if you want to introduce yourself to our listeners, that'd be great. Sure. My name is Kat. Um, I use she, her pronouns. Uh, you all probably know me as like the shedding cat, um, on Instagram, I'm originally from New York city. Um, so I rep New York hard. Um, and as you all know, I've been on a weight loss journey for the past, like, I guess almost two years now. Yeah. Two years. So, um, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. And you're kind of now like just getting back, you kind of took a little bit of a break from like the weight loss portion and kind of maintained and you were like living your best life. Um, and now you're kind of getting back to like that weight loss. Um, so you're back on WW using that for tracking. How's that all going for you? So, um, it's, it's been interesting. I think that, um, one thing that came to be is that like WW is what really works for me. And as we won't get too into it, cause I don't like to give these things too much attention, but we all know that there <laughs> were just some values differences between WW as a corporation and a lot of people in the community. And like, I feel like Um, for the people that like did take a stand for what they believed in and did cancel their memberships. I was one of them for, I don't know, for how long, many, many months, like we made a difference. Um, and just because maybe you, someone out there has like re-enrolled in WW and like feels bad about it. It's like, to me, that's how like activism works is like, you take a stand for as long as you can. And, um, you, I just want all those people to know that, um, they made an impact and they made a difference and um, things were changed. And I, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to being the type of person that like is so intertwined with a big corporation, because that's just like, I think, a get, I think no matter what corporation it is, it just goes against my values in a lot of ways. So um, that was a learning experience for me that like, I really cannot have anyone telling me what to do with my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all wired the same. You yes. know, big corporations are all wired the same. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. exactly. Um, and you actually kind of, while all that was going on, you were, uh, you were featured and like, com- were you in commercials and yeah, some like you. advertising, yeah. which, I uh, which I was like, I, I, I like, I just was so happy for you because that is like really amazing that you had that experience and that you got that recognition and like with everything else that was going on, like it just, I don't, did you feel like you didn't really get to like, enjoy that? To be honest, like there were just so many people that congratulated me who knew not, who know nothing about WW, who knew nothing about like me deciding to part ways with them. So like that, I think I got like my excitement there, just like old students texted me like, Miss Donahue, I saw you on TV. And like, (laughs) that was enough for me. They like, even like people who don't care about weight loss at all, just people in my life who were like, I saw you on TV. And like, that was so exciting. So I feel like I did like have my moment and I did get a lot of joy from that. And I do think it was this moment of power where I was like, yeah, and I don't care that we filmed this six months ago. And this is how I feel now. 
And like, that's that I could have like felt, I think in this world, we always feel this like looming pressure that we have of control that we sort of have to like adhere to this and adhere to that. And like, my life is not a a corporate timeline. Like it's not my fault that your company decided to do these things in the midst of you producing the material that I was in. I'm sorry. My life is not a corporate timeline. Um, and so these are my feelings and you know, that's that. And when we learn new information, we can change our minds about things. But I love that. I love that you're said, this is something that works for me. And I think people, I think not only was that, but also people are going through this phase of like, uh, you know, this anti sort of diet phase, whatever you want to call it. And I think, but it's okay to have goals and want to still lose weight. And I think just having people sort of step up and say, Hey, I'm still in that space. And, and this is how I'm going to do it. And I, I think it helps people actually quite a bit with everything that's been happening on social media. I think in the last six months, I, it just sort of is this up and down sort of thing that I'm I sort of stand back. I don't have as many followers as you guys or people aren't DMing me and giving me advice. <laughs> You're um, lucky. But I, I watch it, you know, and I'm watching sort of yeah. this, it, it yeah. unfold and like, you know, I'm not on a diet, which is really a diet or I'm not, you know what I mean? Like really struggling to find their rhythm and what Place, works. Yeah. And for me, like when, you know, with the pandemic, I went into maintenance. I was on a weight loss journey as well. Um, went into maintenance mode because I knew that like, pandemic was going to be sort of challenging and I kind of and now I'm in that space of I may want to go back there and and Weight Watchers works for me too I have my own version the Felicia version of Weight Watchers (laughs) um but I definitely feel like it's okay and sometimes people need to hear that so yeah I also think people are like confusing a bunch of concepts and I think that's where a lot of this is coming from and I think people are conflating um, body positivity and like anti-diet culture. And those like, aren't the same things. And I also feel like the voices that are often yelling the loudest in this movement are, um, from people who no longer exist in fat bodies and body positivity is specifically supposed to be about folks who live and exist in a fat body and how they experience the world as it relates to fat phobia. So it's kind of lost on me when people who have like, have worked really hard to have a a smaller body start to post about body positivity. Um, I just, I, I'm someone who, um, my mother self-identified as fat her whole life and she still identifies as fat. And it, she experienced so much fat phobia when I was growing up and I saw it firsthand and she's someone who like talks a lot about body positivity and the body positivity movement and like knowing her and having her story and like having experienced some of the things she's experienced firsthand. It just, it almost feels inauthentic for me now, 65 pounds lighter to try and like be the face of body positivity. Like I, I wouldn't want to listen to myself. It's like, well, you're, you changed your body. You know what I'm saying? And I think people are confusing, um, these terms and it's like, let's uplift people who actually walk around in the world, um, in a fat body or a bigger body. And like, let's listen to them. Like, I want to hear like their narratives. And I also think that like, um, then like wanting to lose weight or being on a diet is something completely different and is not, I just feel like we're conflating like so many concepts and we need to learn to separate them out. And like, just because like, I like, just because someone like I desire to lose weight doesn't mean that I don't through and through think fat phobia is abhorrent and disgusting and wrong and doesn't mean I experience those things firsthand we all have you know yeah and and, but you just want to be your best version of you and feel the best that you can in your space and in your body but I would agree that it's very much confused and yeah I see a lot of people in that anti-diet fuck it diet whatever you want to call it and they're all thin I don't even know if they've ever been overweight or they lost 15 pounds, but not, they've never walked in the world where someone has literally discriminated against them because of their size. Like I haven't really seen that yet either. So that's a challenge sometimes to sort of, so it just feels like another way to sell stuff. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 
sometimes. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> and we, we talked about this earlier today with Sarah Best, um, which her episode will be on next week. Um, we talked about intuitive eating, right? And how like, that's a whole nother place where thin people are telling people, oh, just eat whatever you feel like eating. But it's like, you're t- talking to people who have a completely damaged relationship with food, who Absolutely. don't know how to listen to their own bodies. So am I like, hungry? Am I not? Right. Like, like you have to start somewhere. Right. And mm-hmm. like as, as many issues as we all have with like WW as a corporation and like, right. Um, all corporations. Yeah. Um, it simplifies it and it makes it really sustainable and doable for most people. And yes, like, that's really absolutely. important. Right. And I know you've been talking a lot on that, um, because you have talked about how you were diagnosed pre-diabetic and like, so for, you know, a lot of people losing weight, like it is very much so about your health. Right. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It was just like a really scary moment. Like diabetes runs on, like, like I said, my mom was morbidly obese for like the majority of my life. And that was more for like actual medical issues. Um, but on my biological father's side, uh, most of the women have diabetes and are morbidly obese. And for me, it was just like a really scary moment of like, I'm into math and I'm into science and I'm into statistics and everything was telling me like, this is where you are headed. Like there's no kidding myself or fooling myself. And there are some people who carry like a lot of weight and they're not at risk for these health conditions and they're not pre-diabetic and they have great blood work and they're super fit and healthy and whatever. For me, that wasn't the case for me being overweight was tied to my health being poor. It's not an indicator for everyone. Um, but it was for me. And I think for those of us who choose to lose weight and who I'm talking to the people that decide to make this decision and say like, I want to lose weight because I want to change my life in this way to have people say like, Oh, like you don't need to do that. Like imagine if someone said they wanted to stop drinking because they were an alcoholic and all these people suddenly had an opinion about it, right? That like, wouldn't be acceptable. And I think like, and like, we're all saying, and then other people are like, well, I can drink alcohol and I'm not an alcoholic. Well, it's not about what you can do. And I think when we start to look at food that this way, it's like, I was pre-diabetic. I have binge eating disorder. I always will. And like, that is a decision that was so difficult to make. So to hear people kind of like knock that down or trivialize it or say like, um, like, oh, you restricting yourself is disordered. No, it's not disordered. What was disordered is when I ate two boxes of donuts. Like for me, that was disordered. Right. And like, don't impose what, like your eating disorder or your disorders on me because I sought, sought help from a professional and like, I know me. And I think these are, re- it, it takes so much work to like look yourself in the eye and say like, this is something that I really struggle with. And then to start doing it and then have these people who don't share your experience tell you, well, it's actually really bad to not eat that donut in the, or to not eat that cookie or that piece of cake. And you're just like, I cannot tell you how much effort it took for me to realize that this is a behavior that's hurting me. And I think what we don't want to talk about and what it comes down to is people want to have this aura, this facade that they're effortlessly thin. And that's really what it is. And that's the disturbing part to me is they want to look like, it's cool that I like eat whatever I want and I'm still thin and I'm at peace with, and I'm just like, that is not reality for a lot of people, right? you know? Yeah. That's not realistic. And you really, I mean, everybody's experience is so different. Right. And I just find Mm -hmm. it so weird, especially in this like wellness space, um, that everybody wants to make everything so black and white. Like, Mm -hmm. like, like this isn't like the, one of the most nuanced subjects we can talk about, right? Like everybody's wellness looks completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, your experience, like you can't go projecting that on other people. Like, Mm -hmm. um, now I, I I just want to circle back to you. Um, Felicia mentioned how she does like her own version of WW. And I was kind of the same way when I was on WW, like I really didn't take it too seriously. And I've seen you lately, like putting up reels and things like that, like thing, like how you track. And I think that's where a lot of people like don't find success because they are like, they try to be so perfect, perfect. with it. Um, and really it's just like, it's teaching you like the habits, right? Uh, so how, how do you like work the program? What does that look like for you? 
I think for me, like me, quote unquote, like veering off the program is like rooted in some science. So I don't want to like act like I go too far off. Right, right. Yeah, I think there are some things we don't track because like out of convenience and it would drive us nuts if we did. Some people (laughs) are like, I'm putting that cream in my coffee and I'm not tracking it. And that's more like out of convenience. You're just like, I'm not going to track this because it just feels ridiculous for me to track. And like, that's fine. Um, But I would say like most of the things that I don't track are like rooted in science. So for example, I was on the blue plan and um, uh, this was a while ago and I just got sick of eating so much Greek yogurt and I saw fat-free Greek yogurt, fat-free cottage cheese. They have about the same calories, about the same protein. They both have no sugar. Like I'm eating cottage cheese and tracking it as zero. And later they ended up adding it as a zero points food. (laughs) I think it was like in the second update and I was just like, and that's the same thing. This is, might be silly, but like 98% fat free ham. It has the same calories as Turkey has the same protein as Turkey. Like I'm sick of eating so much Turkey. So if I can find (laughs) another like lean protein that has pretty much the same nutritional content, like it's zero or like another thing is like, um, like Turkey ground Turkey, it's supposed to be 98% fat free or above is zero if I can only find 96 or 97, like it's zero to me. <laughs> That's how I am. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to track like 70% fat, fat beef as zero because then I'm <laughs> right myself, right. you know, but right. it, nutritionally, if it's like, this is the same thing and this is going to make it more sustainable. If we get sick of eating the same zero point foods, quote unquote, um, yeah, it just makes your life a little easier. That's how I am. It's just a few little things that I tweak on my own. And for me, this, like my dad died of diabetes at 49. My mm. grandpa was born with diabetes. My mom has adult onset diabetes. So like, I get like my motivation was not out of vanity. It was out of health. Like it mm-hmm. was also like everybody in my family, but me has diabetes. And all I could think of is I was overweight and older that this is like, it's going to happen. So it's just a matter of when kind of a thing. And so my doctor was like, the one thing you can do is if you can manage your weight, you'll be like, that's what you can, you can control that and do it now before, you know, you get to that point. So, so that was kind of like, my motivation was similar. Um, to yours in that way that it was very health focused and I had challenges too but this way this program has made it so that I don't I can eat anything and I feel like it's manageable and but I don't think it's something I can do forever it's when I'm in that space of trying to like get some weight off but maintenance wise I I, I don't want to count everything I eat for the rest of my life so that part I'm not really on board with that part but um but the weight loss part of it I think is rooted in science and it works really well. Absolutely. I think like maintenance looks different. to like different people. And like, I definitely will not be tracking for the rest of my life. Like I maintained the way I was at for like a good six months. And then I decided to start tracking again for reasons that we'll probably get into, but, um, I definitely do not plan on tracking my food for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you, like I said, I, I follow your personal account too. And like when you kind of took a break from like dieting and from your weight loss page, um, like you were living your best life. And like, I think that even now, even with you being in a weight loss, um, mode, like I just, I still see you like being intentional, but I, I don't know. It's amazing. I really love seeing you sharing your weight loss journey. Me too. Um, again, it's been very inspirational. So let's get into what sparked, uh, you kind of getting back into that mode. So I'm having surgery. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I'm getting skin removal, um, from under my arms and from the sides of my breasts. Uh, it's a long time coming. Like it's just, um, it's just a long time coming and the more weight I lose, the worse it's getting. And, um, I like, I see a weight loss doctor at Tufts medical center. And he also specializes in, um, skin removal, things like that. And he was just like, he was like, you're really lucky. Like your stomach and your legs, like snapped back. Like that's just genetic and like everyone's different. And he was like, excess weight you're carrying on your arms is is not going to tighten up it's just not and um you know I'm starting to get like rashes from working out and he's like it's only going to get worse like the more weight you lose um so it's just like becoming like uncomfortable and um 
I just decided it was something that I really want. I went through a bunch of highs and lows. I posted about on my social media. I found out that my insurance actually like did cover it, which was like, oh my gosh. So like this never happens to anyone, but like Massachusetts, great insurance, blah, 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 blah. And then I end up still having to pay $10,000 out of pocket because I have to meet my deductible. So it basically is like pointless. <laughs> um, that it's covered. We gotta if love that American surgery, insurance. Yeah. If I need another surgery, like knock on wood, right. get it all done. You met your deductible. Yeah. But it just, it, it was definitely the highs and lows of it all. You can't, but, you can't um, ask them to throw like a BBL in there or like period, anything else right? you want to get done. Yeah. <laughs> like while you're in there. Uh, well, that's amazing. Um, and recently I know earlier you talked about like people trying to tell you what you do and don't need. Um, and like, since you've started talking about this, I recently you mentioned that people were DMing you saying, Oh, why are you doing that? You don't need this. And I get the same thing. Anytime I talk about like wanting to do cosmetics or even like my loose skin, people are like, Oh, I don't, you look fine. You don't, I don't see anything. And it's like, you literally see like five seconds of my life. Like I'm not on here, like butt ass naked. Like you have no idea exactly. what my body <laughs> looks like. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't understand that. Like people telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing, like, where does that come from? I think honestly, it's, I think we all have cognitions and then the maturity and the work is our behavior. And I honestly think it comes from a place of like jealousy at like asking for help. And I think like, that's the thing is like, because I'm trying to fundraise, like, I would say 60% of the money. Um, I think that like some people we've, I think that I have been on the other end in the past where I'm like, well, I went through things and I didn't ask for any help financially. And you have this feeling of either jealousy or entitlement or helplessness. And like, it's, that's the point of like self-reflection and self-work is when you think what is being triggered in me and you don't act on that behavior. So I'm never saying I felt those emotions or looked at someone who was having a fundraiser and being like, well, I would like, and then it's like, you have to think where are these emotions coming from that I'm projecting so much onto the other person. Like if you want to donate money, donate money. If you don't, don't like, it's very simple. You know, right, right. If, if you have that much emotions about it, you have to ask yourself why. And I think I had a friend once that, um, had a fundraiser because she basically was in this she was in this unsafe housing situation and she like had a studied up a GoFundMe to like help fund her move and like um pay for her first couple months rent and I remember having this just like really really negative reaction where I was just like well why wouldn't she live at home like that's weird like she has a family that can help her and like there are people who are dying there are people and then what I realized was like I have been so alone in my life financially because of like my low-income background that I was just like it just never occurred to me that like you could ask for help and people would help you. And like, she, and like, I actually ended up donating money after I like worked through all those things internally. And I think of crowdfunding and um, like community fundraising is like, I think of that concept as something very different now than I used to. Um, But I definitely like had just like all these emotions. And I realized I was just projecting that, like I had had so many moments in my life, just felt so alone financially. And it just, it it was jealousy. It was why does this person get help when I have never received help or asked for help? And the only person that was stopping asking for help was myself. That's amazing. Girl, that and was that, deep and amazing. Yeah. I'm thank you for, thank you for sharing that. I have self-awareness is everything. You know, I also come from a low impact, low income. My, my mom had me as a teen. And so I just, I get those feelings and how money brings up a lot of feelings mm-hmm. um, that you're not aware of unless you sit down and sort of work through those feelings. Because yeah. even now I feel that in that space that like, I'm always in that space of I'm married even 16 years and still, and like, I'm the only one that's got me financially. Like, yes. do you know what I mean? Like that's yes. how it is. No one's, I'm not depending on anybody. Like shit can drop at any moment. You know what I mean? And I just need to make sure I'm okay. Like kind of a wow. thing. So it's deep. That kind of stuff is deep. Yeah. Do you want to plug your GoFundMe and we'll link it in the description of this episode as well. Uh, oh yeah. Kat, you do so much for our community and you're so amazing. And even just making time to come on our show as busy as you are, which we'll get into that too. Uh, we just really appreciate it. <laughs> really? So it was actually my friend. I was like going back and forth being like, should I do this? Should I not? She's like, are you kidding me? 
she was like you post on that account all the time like you give so much advice she's like so much advice people find it valuable and they love you and they care about it like they'll donate money and if they don't they don't it's not something I posted on my personal account because like I feel like there are just so many like worthy causes like going on in the world and it was more like there are two groups of people that I targeted for this GoFundMe people who follow my wellness or weight loss account and feel like they've gained something and learned something from me or been motivated by me and they're like you know like you've been someone that has motivated me and I want to see this happen for you and just like really wish me the best and you know and then the other group of people that I reach out to are people who are really really close to me um very close friends and family who have seen me struggle with my weight my whole life and are just really proud so those are the two demographics and it's kind of like either I've helped you and you want to show me some love or you know me so well and you're just proud of where I I, I am um, so that was why, but my friend was like, you need to post it. She's like, I always see you stirring on that account. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a good friend. You, That's a good friend. You give so much, like it is not easy to post things on Instagram and reels and all of that stuff. I, I think people don't realize the kind of time and energy that is put in to sort of giving people that information and sharing those kinds of things with people. So I, I definitely think it's amazing because I mean even just the other day you know I created a new soup because of you my yum vet no I took my favorite Campbell's chicken noodle soup and added a bunch of veggies to it I love and it, that and it was freaking that. amazing I'm like it's what have cool. I been doing for five years like why have I not because I love that <laughs> chicken broth it's a dollar and I like it and it's buttery and yummy so I just added a bunch of carrots and peas and corn and it was yes so, <laughs> so yes. I just think it's I think people do want to give back and both of you give a lot. We love an easy meal, right? For sure. Yes. Yes. All you <laughs> uh, too. Yeah. So with your skin, like with your loose skin, I don't think people realize like how big of a role that can play. Like after you've lost a lot of weight, like how like mentally, like that really can mess with you, um, you know, outside of even the medical issues that you're having as well. So um, yeah, definitely go check out cats go fund me, even if it's just a dollar or $5 that adds up. Like that's, that's how we crowdfund y'all. Um, so just moving into, uh, you making time for us, which we so appreciate, uh, you started grad school recently. Congratulations. That is amazing. Um, I don't think people like know what it really takes to get into grad school. Um, <laughs> yeah. So how has it been going for you? Uh, it's just, a, it's a lot. It's really hard. I think it's really hard being a quote unquote, non-traditional grad student. I think like, cause I didn't come straight from undergrad where I'm like living at like my parents' house and kind of just like fresh out of undergrad and like to get into my program, like you pretty much can't do that anyways, because, or any of the programs I apply to, because you do need some work experience and some clinical experience. Um, so it's been a lot, this year is definitely a lot tougher than last year because I have a full-time class load. And then I have my graduate research fellowship, which is how I make some money. Um, I work 20 hours a week for that, have 15 hours of classes. And then I have 20 to 25 hours a week of clinical internship. So I'm pulling like a 55 hour a week, not including like studying um, or like paperwork or things like that. So it's definitely a lot. Um, I'm also like, like I am an extrovert and like, I'm a highly social person. And like, um, it was so funny. I had this moment where a friend, um, asked me to come hang out on like a Thursday night. And she was like, um, let's go out, whatever. And I was like, I'm not drinking. Like I, I literally can't. And I was just like, but I'll go with you. And I was talking to my girlfriend and I was telling her, like, I ended up going out and I was like tired at work, had a cup of coffee, but the amount of like emotional gratification I got from like that social interaction, even though I was like tired was just like amazing. And I think it's like about knowing yourself and like, I, like, I have to make time for like social interaction. That's just like who I am. I love people. I love being around people. I love my friends. And, um, I've just been really trying to be like, you know what, you're tired, but like you, like go do something like, like go have fun. 
you're young, have a cup of coffee at work. You'll be okay. You know? Okay. So um, what are you going to graduate school for? Like, can you share that so, just so yeah, if you're absolutely. okay with sharing that? So I'm, I'll, I'll be a clinical therapist. Um, right now I am practicing, but under the license of my clinical supervisor, cause okay. I'm not licensed yet. That's what your clinical year is for. It's like kind of your path to licensure. Um, so I need to have 700 hours of clinical work by May. So it's a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm just, um, loving the work. I'm loving the demographic that I'm working with. Um, I'm at a full caseload already, which is like really great for an intern. Um, so like, I pretty much have like all my clients right now. Um, and then I am doing some like crisis care, um, which has been, um, tough and has been, a learning experience. So most of it is um, responding to like um, suicidal ideations with adolescents. So that's been like, it's definitely draining and um, crisis care is hard. And for people who do it full-time, I just can't imagine. Um, It's only a little bit of the work that I do, but it's honestly been um, really rewarding. And I'm just really passionate about the work that I'm doing for like the first time. Like I've done many things that I've enjoyed, but I've never done something where I'm like, I am 100% happy in this. Like when I get in that room with a client, I literally forget about everything. Like I, I, I just forget like everything. And my soul focus is on like, how can we, how can I make this person's existence just a little bit easier? Um, how can I make their life just a little bit healthier? So great. Yeah, that's amazing. We need more people like you in the world for sure. (laughs) So, so while doing all of this and getting your education and helping other people, like how do you prioritize your own wellness? Honestly, Google calendar, (laughs) Google calendar has saved my life this year. Like I literally color block my calendar. And I also think like um, I'm practicing this like spare moment thing, like where I have a spare moment, I'm not doing anything because like, for example, like when I leave my internship, it's like a 25 minute drive and I'll like call the people on my ride home that I feel like I haven't caught up with, or I'll listen to my emails out loud. And I'm like, no, like I would, I'm like enough. You're sitting in the car silently for 25 minutes and like decompressing. And when you get home, like you start to cook dinner, you get your homework done, you get in the shower, you work out. And I'm just like, if I, if I like, I need to take those little moments and just, nope, you're not checking your Instagram. You're not checking your email. You are sitting there quietly and you are looking at the trees as you drive home. (laughs) That's good though. That's hard to do. Yeah. It's grasping the little moments. Yeah. You definitely have to do that for sure. Uh, did you go to Catholic schooling? Yes. I went okay. to Catholic high school. Oh yeah. You went to a Catholic high school. Okay. So I went to Catholic schooling from K four to eighth grade. Um, and I've seen you do, like talk about like Catholic schooling trauma, mm-hmm. um, and, like the things that you experience. And I know for me, my experience was, um, I was body shamed a lot. Um, I mean, among many other things. Um, so I was just curious, like what your experience was like, uh, going to Catholic schools. Oh gosh. So I went to like a kind of unique Catholic school because it wasn't a parochial school. It's a private Catholic school in New York city. So it was just like one of a very, very interesting experience. Some contacts like the Hilton's went to my high school, the Kennedy's like, it's like that kind of New York city oh, private okay. school. Yeah. Um, That's like gossip girl status. I don't know. Oh, gossip, gossip, girl. Girl. <laughs> yeah, gossip girl was filmed at my high school. <laughs> it was, oh, it. was <laughs> it filmed at your high school? Yeah, literally like they rented it out to film. <laughs> okay, that is a crazy fact. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. Our tuition right now, I looked it up recently because it goes up every year and I just think it's a fun activity. Um, it's $58,000 a year for high school. <laughs> For, for kindergarten through 12th grade. Yeah. And ever. people have like three kids in the school. That's insane. That's I know. Crazy. Yeah. That's like the country's I mean, medium you income. me all kinds of stuff. Like if I oh. paid that for kindergarten. Oh like, yeah. like wow. yeah, but I definitely think like I was one of two black people in my grade. One of two people of color. Like never mind black. Um, And um, I definitely had a larger, I wasn't like, 
I wouldn't consider myself to have been like obese in high school, but I definitely had a larger body than like everyone in my class grade. Um, it was really hard. And as you all know, like I'm out and proud, I identify as gay, lesbian. Like that was really, really hard because while I wasn't out, I knew that part of my identity and heard a lot of like what people had to say about LGBT people. Um, so I think that was very emotional and very hard. And I actually had a very traumatic experience with our school counselor, which is wild now that I'm in like, you know, this counseling clinical therapeutic track. Um, so it was definitely, yeah, and it was all girls. Oh my gosh. And it was an all girl school. Like mean girls on steroids. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. But I so- made some good friends. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, did you make that yeah. some lifelong friendships through Absolutely. that people yeah. that felt the same way or similar to you did? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And like, okay. So for you, like, when did you, like your weight gain start? Like how, how did that start for you? So I was always, so I was a very skinny kid and then puberty hit and then I was always overweight, but I was never like, I was never overweight enough for you to like, think about me as someone who was overweight, but in an argument, someone could have like said something to me. If I was, I was that type of overweight, <laughs> right. if that makes sense. Like yeah, an adult yeah. would have been no, like, I'm concerned about your weight, but a kid could have been like, well, you're bigger than everyone. Like right. that kind yeah. of thing. So I think that where I actually like became obese and it became an issue was like my freshman year of college. Um, and that was my first rodeo with Weight Watchers was after my freshman year of college. And I lost, a, I think I lost 50 pounds and um, which brought me down to my lowest adult weight ever. And I had also started not as big as I started the second rodeo. And then I had kept it off. I was like, loved it. It was the first time I really did Weight Watchers. My grandma had brought me to Weight Watchers like a ton when I was like in middle school and I was like overweight, but not like obese. Um, so that's like funny to reflect on, but my grandma was like, do we wander the works? And I like did it and, um, it was great. And I loved it. And I lost so much weight and I was so happy. And then my junior year, I, so I kept it off for like a good year and a half. Then my junior year, I studied abroad in South Africa. Um, and I ate my way through Cape Town. Um, <laughs> I gained so much weight and then senior year, I just like kept gaining weight. And then I moved to New Orleans and I gained some more weight and then I gained some more weight and then I gained some more weight. And in 20 and during that time, since like I had come back from Cape Town and gained that weight. So from my junior year of college until, so that was what, 2014, 2013 until 2017, 2018, 2019, I just gained and gained and gained and had tried Weight Watchers so many times and had like lost 10 pounds, gained 10 pounds, lost 10 pounds, gained 10 pounds. And I just, and I just, when I hit like my biggest, biggest weight, it was like the 18th time I had like literally officially like signed up. There was like, I went off on and off Weight Watchers over like 55 times, but like the actual, it was like about the 18th time that I had like physically like re-entered my card, re-entered my email, downloaded that. And I was just like, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Please do. And I was like, yes, please do. You better. <laughs> Bitch, you better. And I was just like, I, and I, and it worked. But yeah. Who knew it was going to be that time? No one. I was going to ask, like, what do you think the, like, the difference was for you? Do you feel like you just more were focused on like your why, as we call it? No, it was a couple things. And I think the main things were one, it was like the pre-diabetic scare. So yeah, your why, like that was major. Like, I don't want to die. That's a pretty big why. Absolutely. I think the second thing was like, I was done. I was also had been in an abusive relationship, had broken up and I was, I was done with the people pleasing shenanigans. And I was just like, I have goals. And like, I have, and that is it. Your weight loss has to become the most important thing in your life, at least temporarily, if you want to make any sort of progress. And I made it the most important thing in my life for like, I said to myself, I'm giving myself 21 days where this is the most important thing in my life. I'm not going out. I'm not socializing. Like I'm disappearing from the world for 21 days. And I did it. And I think I lost like 15 to 17 pounds. I'm not even joking in that 21 days, not doing anything unhealthy, like eating all my points, eating my bonus points, right? Like not doing anything crazy, just literally sticking 
to the plan. The reason yeah. why I didn't go out was not because it can't work for the plan, but because at that point, temptation was too high. I had yeah. no self-control. Yeah. Yeah. And like, people are like, you can go out and stick to, you absolutely can if you have self-control. And if you know you don't, meet yourself where you are. Right. And yes. meeting myself where I was, was like me having to restrict temptations at that point. So gave myself that 21 days and I just got addicted to the results. And I was like, I look at this, this is working. I love it. I'm eating my little dessert every night. I'm popping my nice popcorn, you know, I was getting great sleep and working out. And then it was just like a trickle effect where I was like, okay, like I'll do something like once a week or like do this, but like, I'm very, very focused. And I would say that like my weight loss moved down on my priority list um, in a good way, in a very healthy way as I lost the weight. But I do think like, there are so many people who get stuck in this, um, gain 10 pounds, lose 10 pounds cycle of like never really starting that weight loss journey. I always say like, when you hit 20 pounds, you're in the clear, obviously it depends on your height. But like, if you, when you, I feel like when you lose that 20 pounds, you're like, it, it's, you're only going to lose from there. Um, because I, I just think that like people don't want to give up anything. And I'm just like, I don't understand how you are saying this is the heaviest I've ever been. I want to lose weight. I'm committed, but like, you can't like not go out drinking for a month. Like I don't, I will never understand. It's like, you have to like, and people are like, don't give up your, you're not giving up your life. You're saying I'm pre-diabetic. My, my health is in an absolute crisis and I'm pulling away for a month, like to bring it back to alcohol. It's like going to rehab, like people know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like people who are alcoholics, like they get support, they go to rehab. Like some of us have serious binge eating disorder and like we trivialize it. And I'm like, imagine if we were told alcoholics, oh yeah, like don't drink, but like go partying your first month of sobriety, (laughs) you know, go to the bar. Exactly. Not saying if you have alcohol use disorder that you'll never be able to be in a bar. That's absolutely not true. There's so many people who are in recovery that attend bars and social gatherings with tons of alcohol and can do so seamlessly, but I can't do that at first though. I don't know. I don't know any addicts who are fresh out of rehab who can just go to a party and be cool. Like, no, even like people who are in recovery, like you're not supposed to be like, they say not to be in relationships for a year. Like it's a process. Right. And we talked about this again, next week with Sarah best. You guys got to listen to this episode too, because we talk about the science of our brains behind (laughs) all of this. Um, and how it, how our brains work. And really that's what controls all of these habits, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned binge eating. So did you yourself go to therapy to help with like overcoming that? So I didn't go to therapy. I went to a weight loss clinic and, um, the MDs at this clinic, this started in new Orleans, the the MDs at this clinic were trained in like, um, binge eating disorder, like a diagnosis and competency and like helping me work through that. So it was like identified. Um, I met with them about coping strategies and like different things like that. And then it is something that I've discussed in my personal therapy. Um, so yeah. So what are, what are some, um, ways that you like work through that? Cause you did mention, right. Like I, I also suffer from binge eating disorder. I had binge eating disorder most of my life, like full on binging all the time, but it is something that I will always have to work on. And I think that people have this expectation, like when you lose weight, like all your issues with food, just like go away and everything's just like perfect and fine. And it's like, no, (laughs) you forever have to work on this stuff. So, um, like what are some of the helpful things that you do? Um, like maybe if you're having a rough day or you're struggling with that kind of mindset. I think honestly, um, reducing, um, decision-making is really helpful. And like, remember not every strategy is going to work for every person, but like for me, reducing decision-making. So like having to, like when I am in like a good mindset, like making all my decisions so that if I'm having like a very emotional day, like I'm not making a decision based on that emotion. So for example, like, um, like people are like, yeah, I don't want to plan out all my meals. Well, they don't understand that there may be a much bigger reason. So like for me planning out my meals or knowing what I'm going to eat or knowing my snacks or eating the same things helps me to not make a food choice out of anxiety, which triggers a binge. And it's kind of like, it's like parenting myself. It's like, this decision is already made for you. Just like, I've never been a parent, but I assume sometimes if you have kids, you're like, and this is what you're eating. And yeah. 
decision is made and that's it. And you're allowed to be mad and you're allowed to be sad, but like, this is, or a bedtime, you can cry, you can be mad, you can be sad, but like, this is your bedtime. And I think sometimes like with binge eating disorder, we have to parent ourselves and, um, and it it doesn't always work. You are going to binge and there are going to be times like, right. It's enough. No method is foolproof. Um, but you hope that you can develop habits and skills, um, to, um, to minimize the frequency of the binges or the intensity of them. And I see a lot of people saying like, don't restrict, don't restrict, don't restrict. And I just think like restricting yourself to a point that's like an eating disorder is something that needs to be addressed clinically. Setting boundaries for yourself and saying no to yourself isn't a bad thing. I'm confused as like when that became a bad thing. It's like, I love comparing eating to alcohol for many, many reasons that have to do with like psychology, but it's like, if you say like, if you cut yourself off after like three drinks, no one's like, well, I don't think you should do that to yourself. <laughs> Just get wasted. Like, you know, <laughs> I think you should, I think you should get alcohol poisoning, <laughs> you know? So like, why is like cut? Like if you are someone who struggles with binge eating disorder and you say like after two cookies, the cookie bag goes away. Like that's not like restricting to me is saying, I will never have another cookie or I can't ever have a cookie like that's restricting but like right. setting good boundaries with yourself is like it's okay yeah I mean that's like a Healthy. form of self-love isn't it yeah it is hundred percent yeah definitely um so you've had your Instagram page for how long have you been on Instagram with the shedding cat specifically it's Zero, been like a couple yeah. years <laughs> Just no, no, no 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 July 2019 Okay. Okay. So it's been just over a couple of years. Yeah, you're right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know time, especially these last couple of years. It's like, what is even time anymore? Like nothing, like, yeah, I feel like like life never continues, but, um, but like us, I'm sure you've made, you've made lots of friendships, right? Like meaningful friendships and like connections. And I know you have like a meetup coming up soon. You're meeting up with some girls on the internet that you met. Do you want to talk about like, the importance of community, um, when you're going through a journey like this? Yes. So, um, I think, uh, so first, firstly, like I met these girls, we were all on Weight Watchers and it was amazing. And they were so supportive. And we like, um, talked like once a week throughout the, um, pandemic, we like would zoom and we have a group chat, all that good stuff. I think, um, that eh, maybe like, a year in, we kind of all started doing different things in terms of weight loss or wellness. Some of us are, we're, we, we just all kind of like started doing different things, but our friendship was so solidified that like it, to me, like they are no longer my like Weight Watchers friends. They're just friends. Yeah. And, um, but we do like send each other like funny things or <laughs> like, it's just honestly like having community and people you can laugh with is just like, so important and like we send each other like the goofiest things like we're just it's just like they're just so great like I feel so comfortable with them and our interests really align and they're just like all there are all such wonderful people and I'm it's weird because I'm like but I've never met you in person and it's going to be very bizarre for me I'm like so excited we've been planning this trip for such a long time now and where is it like where are you meeting we're going to San Diego Oh, that's exciting. Fun in the sun. And your girlfriend, I wanted to ask about your girlfriend because I mean, oh. you have a support system there He's with the all best. of this. And yes. so what is that like just having someone that's supportive? Because not everybody has. Yeah. That. She's so wonderful and she has such good boundaries about it. Where like I was in a really abusive relationship before her, it took a year and a half to like do some work and like just you know, get, get reacquaintance with myself and my power and my strength. And my ex had really bad boundaries when it came to not only bad boundaries, but like was abusive when it came to talking about my weight and my body and what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And I just feel like my girlfriend now, she just has like such good boundaries where I feel like she doesn't take my weight issues on as her own. Like I can be upset about my weight and she's not like, she's invested and she wants to support me, but she's not invested enough where she's going to get frustrated if that makes sense, like if I'm frustrated. And I, I just think in general, her, her mom is 
her parents are like psychiatrist, a psychiatrist and a psychologist. So I wonder if that's why she's like so good at this stuff. But I just feel like in her life in so many ways, she has really good boundaries. And I'm someone who like came from a, what we call a high enmeshment household where everyone's feelings were really fused. And like, if mom was sad, everyone's sad. If mom's happy, everyone's happy. So I, I used to, I'm working on it, feel like I had really like poor emotional boundaries. And I think my girlfriend has like provided me the gift of like being like I'm supportive but I'm not going there with you like if you're sad or you're frustrated about your weight like I'm here to comfort you I'm supportive but like I'm not going to go there with you and then she doesn't have resentment or frustration if I say this week I'm really going to stick to things and I don't whereas my ex would be like you said you were going to do this and like you you know like just bizarre um but I just think she's she's such like a positive light and support and um but in a way that's like distant enough that I feel like it's still my own thing. I don't know if anyone can relate, but. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think that's really hard to find. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Uh, how did you guys meet? I always love so, to hear people's love stories. <laughs> we met on Hinge. Hey. Um, but <laughs> I think what was really helpful is we had a, we had a, we had, we realized we had a mutual friend. So we were talking on hinge. Then we followed each other on Instagram and we realized we had a mutual friend that I went to high school with and that she played basketball with. So I was like, Oh, you're cool. Yeah. (laughs) This is like one of the other three black people at my high school. So I was like, okay. Okay. Um, the girl that she played basketball with, but it was like this thing where I was like, I know you're a real person. I know you're not lying about who you are. And it kind of like put the pedal to the metal because I feel like online dating is I don't know if either of you've ever experienced it but it's so bizarre because it's like are you a real person like is this really your photo (laughs) so there's this whole period where you just drag out like trying to figure out if this person is a serial killer or not and then like a month goes by and then you like forget and you're like a month later you're like oh like ah do you still want to meet up you know like and I think with her it was like we both know like we like that stage didn't happen because it was quickly confirmed like oh you're real and then we just moved into like you know that kind of thing and I also think like when you have a mutual friend there's like more accountability to not be a complete jerk like if things don't go well you know like you don't completely mistreat someone if because you're like we right I might see you again right yeah exactly (laughs) exactly where does she live she does not live so she lives in Brooklyn okay and I'm from New York City still have like my family home there so like I I also think that took a lot of pressure off of our relationship in the beginning because it wasn't like every time I was home I was staying with her or in her space like it could be like like I'm staying with my mom or at my mom's and like uh, like we'll see one another and you know lesbians they love to what does a lesbian bring to the second date a u-haul they love (laughs) to speed things up they love to move in together right Right away like get like day three they're married so I think it was definitely it was a blessing in disguise that we're like I I like to say we're semi-long distance because I have some friends that are like actually long distance like a plane away and like I'm and I just feel fake when I say we're long distance because I would say we spend like 10 to 15 days out of the month together so we're not like she'll come on a Tuesday and leave on a Sunday type of vibe but she has yeah. to come there it's not like you can every day so, meet each other for coffee yeah, you're right you know what I mean? so last, <laughs> last year I we saw each other a lot more because we were both virtual now she's just virtual so it was a lot more equitable like who was going right. where but I also think like um any like vacation I'm there because like that's where my family's house sure. is and, like I very much I do not look like Boston at all I have one foot out the door sorry to all the Bostonians <laughs> out there are you are you pretty much just in Boston because of school just because of school okay. like I and I'm leaving the second I graduate like I <laughs> like, bye bye peace <laughs> out you know um so I definitely think like in my yeah it's like yeah we see each other all the time like I'm going on vacation with her family like next weekend like oh that's ago. awesome where are you guys going cape cod just like i've never been there her family's like come to the cape and i'm like okay it's like a 45 minute drive so <laughs> we'll like, just oh, that like- sounds terrible yeah it's gonna be <laughs> also like tape off season is like great because it's yeah. like it's not crowded it's like fall Quiet. beach 
like you go sit by the beach with your sweater on like that kind of thing. And, um, I get along with her family really well. So like, that's great. And it will just be like relaxing. My plan is to get like a bunch of work done. Um, type of thing. It's really nice actually. Yeah. Very relaxing. And like, it will take me away from like any sort of like big social event that's happening. Like if a friend, if friends, my grad program really like, come out, I'm going to be like, I can't, I'm in a cozy house by the beach and I'm <laughs> reading. Yeah. So reading. Is, she, is she also an extrovert, like very social person? Yes. Okay. Okay. We're, both, we're like what I, okay. So this is something I have to brag about. We're the fun couple. <laughs> I love it. Like people, I love it. Like people want to hang out with us. And this is my first time being the fun couple. Because That's I feel awesome. like I've always dated people who were like boring, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and like, she's so fun. Like people want to like go out with us and hang out with us. And like all of my, and she's the first woman I've dated where like my friends like, like her better than me. And I'm like, I love this. Like, everyone loves her. Like I'm controversial. She's, she is the golden retriever. Like everybody loves her. Like she's just, and I'm like, ah, oh, everyone loves you so much. And it just makes me so happy to like, mm. like my best friend in the whole world, like is like, I would be friends with her. Like, even if you weren't dating her, which like means so much That's very to cool. me. Um, cause That's I amazing. think like, a lot of my exes, my friends like tolerate it. I've <laughs> right. all been there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I want to ask you questions about your relationships that were not oh. there before. I just okay. Want to yeah, Maybe go that. for it. You can ask us questions. So what is y'all love life? Love I life. am married. Well, actually, what was it? Two weeks ago, 14 years with my husband for 16. So yeah. 14 years. Is a long 14 years is a long time. So yeah, it's, <laughs> been, it's been a ride. I mean, it's been a good ride. I feel really grateful. Just coming. I did not come from that environment. Um, my father was not in my life at all. I did not have that kind of, I didn't have any sort of blueprint for what a relationship should be or what marriage was. So I'm really grateful that it's sort of, it's worked and that we're together and, and, you know, and it's hard. There are times when I'm like, oh my God, like, I mean, there are moments, you know, yeah, um, but I feel like just with that, everything you work hard at everything, everything I'm good at, or I do well at, I work at it and I have to do the same in my my relationship so so I'm grateful I'm just grateful I have a partner in this crazy ass world (laughs) seriously um I'm married as well just celebrated five years Um, I've actually actually been friends with my husband for over well almost 20 years which makes me feel so fucking old (laughs) saying that um but yeah we we have a very long history we actually have a whole episode where we talk about our relationship um because we both came from very different backgrounds but um, it's interesting. We have very similar traumas with family mm-hmm. stuff and like how it affects us and how it affects how poorly we were able to communicate. So like when we really committed to our relationship after, you know, 15 years of friendship, um, it was like really explosive. Like we would have huge fights and like, we just, neither one of us knew how to communicate in a healthy way. Um, so, um, I talked about this on our episode as well, a year into our marriage, we actually separated, um, which I think is really common for a lot of marriages. Like marriage is really freaking hard. Like relationships are hard, but like marriage is like a whole different ball game. Um, and we both took that time to work on ourselves. Um, and since then, like, you know, it just gets better and better. So like Felicia said, it's is a lot of work. And I think people see relationships, especially when you post on social media and they're like, oh, hashtag goals, you know, yeah. oh, you guys are so great. And it's like, yeah, we're, you know, yeah, we're awesome. But also like, it still takes work, right? Mm-hmm. Like Kat, you mentioned being like the controversial one in your friends group, which I think is probably something I can relate to <laughs> <laughs> being the person who is not afraid to speak their mind. Um, but I think people think that that's like easy for us. And I know for me, it's not, it's honestly the best and worst thing about me. It's something that I love, but also struggle with so much. Um, so I'm just curious, like if you have that type, those types of feelings too. Oh my gosh, all the time. And I think honestly, like for the record, if I'm not speaking my mind, it is for no other reason than because I'm tired. And I <laughs> like, I've stopped. That's a and relate. Okay. <laughs> Like I'm literally I'm gonna like, make a t-shirt that says that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just like on the shedding cat. Like I am a privileged white woman. Like I don't like I'm going to invoke like a like get, like it's like we it's like I was like feeling the need to like post things and ah I just get really emotional and upset and I'm just like why am I doing this to myself? And it's not it's and I don't want people to confuse it. It's not like you know how like I I'm like that where a lot of people are like well this doesn't have to do with weight loss or wellness. And I'm like, oh, no, it does. It all does. It all fucking all relates. <laughs> but if you, if you still think that, you got a lot of work yeah. to do. Yeah, you gotta go. But I do <laughs> think I've been like less controversial or vocal on the shedding cat because I'm like, I'm done sacrificing myself. It's not because like, I'm like worried what people think or like, we're are like this page yeah. is for, it's like, because it's like, I'm done engaging with you all. Like yeah. you, you and I, like a lot of people, I'm like, you and I are different. And like, I, I'm done engaging with you. Right. And that is why I'm not posting about it. And because it got to a point where I'm like, this is performative and not effective. And like, you don't care. And like, it's like anyone who like, I feel like could learn something from me or like agrees with me and wants to like read more things or learn where to redistribute their money or things like that follows me on my personal Instagram and I'm just I'm I'm just done with a lot of these people and I'm like you don't want to we can relate to that Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah other people and humanity and things that don't directly affect you and learning and growing in that space like that is very much so a part of your wellness or should be not having to think about it is like a privilege yes that is a privilege that like sometimes we can allow ourselves to have yes yes like it's it's almost like it's like we see a fire and we automatically put on our fire suit just because we're trained to do so yeah and like everyone else gets to watch and be like I don't know how to put out fires (laughs) and I think we as like people from marginalized identities are like, well, I know how to do this. I have all the equipment. My voice is powerful, but it's like, sometimes I have to let some of these bitches burn. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, you do you baby. Like I can't even with some of them, with some of them. I'm just like, I can't like the things that you post. Oh Lord. It's weird. I don't, for me, I don't use my voice at all on social media. Like how mm-hmm. I walk in the world is very different <laughs> in the world than what I just look at recipes and try to be support, like good yeah. job. And I leave it at that. I don't, yeah. I just don't do a lot of that just because I don't think I could deal with, I think it would affect me, you know, people like DMing me and root. I think it would affect me deeply. Um, mm-hmm. so I just don't even mess with it because it, that, that space for me, isn't that space supposed to be relaxing for me. And it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, like when you say you take a minute for yourself, that's my minute. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with bullshit. I got enough shit. Like, you know what I mean? In my day to day, I need to add that in there. So I, my hat goes off to you guys. Cause I, I, I just am quiet and Yo. because it's not worth it to me. <laughs> I'm not going to change any of them. I know that. And I'm not on it enough to, it'll just upset me make me yeah. upset it's hard it's like some days I'm like I'm gonna engage and other days I'm like some days I'll engage and then I'll bleed it because I'm like you know what do I even <laughs> want to give these people my time like yeah. I feel like I'm just so done and I oh also this like occurred to me is something I've been like really trying to work on is to like not make my experience as a black woman so centered on like otherness instead of like like when I see someone like posting problematic things instead of engaging I'm like unfollow and like re um refocus my attention on like people that uplift me like every someone that posts something racist or nasty I'm like I'm unfollowing you and I'm follow five more black women or five more brown women or five more queer people and I'm just like I'm trying not to get too much attention to it like you know what I'm saying it's like there, it's a slippery slope to make everything about, you know what I mean? Right. To yeah. make everything about it. And you, yeah. it's, it's a slippery slope. And sometimes I'm like, but actually I want to live in a world where like racism is where we sometimes make it irrelevant. Like you're irrelevant. And what, ha- and I think that happened to someone in that, in the community who will remain unnamed, but like they did a bunch of BS and like the biggest punishment was just making them irrelevant. Like you're irrelevant. You lost a lot of followers. 
like you posted some horrible, nasty, really racist, problematic things, and now no one cares about you. And that is the greatest punishment of all to be like, you're irrelevant. You're yesterday's. Especially on social media when. When that's what they care about and that's what they Mm -hmm. want, right? Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just like trolls, right? People who troll you to get a reaction out of you. Yeah. So it's like, um, I'm actually really proud of you for not using your energy on these people because your energy is used so much better, like in other better spaces, you're doing so much good for this world and yeah, fuck those people. But it can be really hard. Like literally I actually just recorded a subscribers only episode called I got time today. Cause I was just like, some days it's like, I wake up and I go on Instagram and I'm like, I got time. What the fuck? You're like, <laughs> y- y'all really like, just don't get it. Like, you don't know, and, and, and the, pro- the, the online activism, like I, yeah, it's just, it's like ruined now. It's like, there's, it's pointless. Mm-hmm. It feels pointless at a lot of times because Yeah. Yep. People, people who bubbles. are listening, who people they who should be bubbles. listening aren't listening and aren't getting right. anything out of it, except for uh those people are usually the ones that want to argue with you, right? And mm-hmm. like, you're like, I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> so some of it though, I will say is entertaining. Like there are, <laughs> there are some things where I'm just like, oh my gosh, this person did not post this. <laughs> and you know the group chat be lit when you're like, oh yeah, oh my god, like <laughs> sometimes uh sometimes we just gotta laugh and get the entertainment out of it and then move on right (laughs) all right perfect well wow we've been chatting for quite a while i know uh anything else you ladies want to talk about no i just love you i love you too and i'm so happy i got to meet you this time so yes and thanks for like pushing me to come on because you know like (laughs) you know when someone's like you're you're like their heart's not in it yeah versus like they're really busy and i have to like I am the person that you have to like track down. No, we know like, you're busy. When though. I show up, my heart. Is- I get it. We're yeah, grateful. no, we, yeah, we, we see compl- you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we see you girl. We see you, uh, doing all the things and we just appreciate you making time for us. And I appreciate normal- normally when we can't get people on, we're just like, whatever, we just move on. But we're like, we need to get no, Kat need back on. <laughs> like, no, such we, yeah, so we need you. to, yeah, we needed to share your story and just hear more from you and, uh, just catch up. And this has been amazing. So yeah, thank you really so much for doing this with us. Yes. Appreciate it. Yay. Yay. Goodbye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And we'll see you bitches next Monday. Bye.